0: I'm Pam. I'm Dawn. I'm
1: Deidre. I'm Dina. Welcome, Welcome to Ozarks Paints and, and Hooch. This ain't no fancy academic check your references kind of deal. This is four girls from the Ozarks sipping and spewing about Paints, Hooch, and history.
0: Welcome everybody to Ozark's Haints and Hooch. Yay! This is, yay! Here we are again, again. This is season two, episode six. I am your host Pam, and uh, we have a, a good, uh, good stories for you this evening. I'm going to tell you who's doing what tonight. Our big one is going to be from Sister Deidre, <laughs> and our little one is from Sister Dina. And the hooch that's gonna tie us all together is from Big Sister Dawn. So um oh I'm not gonna throw it to you yet. I'm gonna tell you a few other things. I wanna tell you about our social media links. We're on Facebook and Instagram. That's Ozarks Haints in letter hooch. And uh, uh we have a tech disclaimer, we have very loud purring cats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh <laughs> Kids coming in and out and cats jumping on your lap and all manner of leaf blowers and mowers and three different states and four different households and Wi-Fi's and technology. So we you just ask you to give us a little grace on that one. And um, we also would love for you to subscribe to us where you can and wherever is possible and to give us lots of stars. Five stars, it would be the best. If you could do that for us, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Um, we release a, a new episode on the 1st and the 15th of every month, and we have a relatively new website on Weebly. It's Ozarks, Hansen, Hooch, dot Weebly, dot com, and you can see our bios and get other information there for us and anything you want to know about this little program we got going here so uh without further ado i'm going to throw it to sister dawn and she can tell us about our hooch I,
1: this is sister dawn and the um the chainsaw <laughs> that i have sitting in front of me so the cat is always because such a little jerk that i shut him out and he's purring so loud sorry right now
2: <laughs> and he
1: licked out of my drink and so perhaps that's why he's purring <laughs> that so, could very well be true yeah true um it's good i i mean it's good um it is called the bushwhacker milkshake for a reason um and so you you use a half an ounce of a million things so get ready get ready it's good. <laughs> go to the liquor store so uh, but most of this stuff i think really i had on hand except for a couple things you know so an, a half an ounce of rum it says cruising is best but i i used a really dark brown rum that somebody had given me it's high dollar a half an ounce of vodka a half an ounce of bailey's irish cream i used homemade a half an ounce of kahlua i used somebody else's homemade <laughs> a half an ounce of amaretto a half an ounce of some chocolate flavored liqueur okay here's the thing when i made my homemade baileys irish cream i accidentally put too much chocolate in it so i didn't buy chocolate liqueur i just used my chocolate baileys ah. um, a half an ounce of frangelico which is one of my very favoriteist, favoriteist liqueurs mm-hmm. Me too. Although they say it's optional, but I liked it. You could really taste it, I think. Half an ounce of cream to coconut. So Coco Lopez, um, which dang, I didn't realize how expensive that was actually. Back Mm -hmm. in my day, back in my day when we made uh, pina coladas, I don't remember it being $5 a can, but.
0: Yeah, it's pretty high. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So then uh, a cup of crushed ice or more or less three dashes of nut, grated nutmeg, a tablespoon of whipped cream, come on, a tablespoon, seriously, <laughs> and a cherry. So here's what I did, and y'all can tell me what you did. So I actually made it like a milkshake and I put the tablespoon of whipped cream in it. And then I also put some on top of it, but everything went in it and all blended up with ice to the consistency of a milkshake. And then I put some whipped cream on top and a cherry. And I feel like if you're going to make a milkshake, you need to make it with ice cream. It was good, but I'm sorry I blended it. But it's still pretty good. So, mm-hmm. okay, what'd y'all do?
0: Oh, I, I didn't uh, blend mine. I did mine in a shaker. And I, uh, I, too, I couldn't find Frangelico this week. They were out and they didn't have <gasps> many bottles. So I, that was one ingredient I had to do without. Okay, well, it's,
2: it's not. Very sad.
0: Yeah, I love Frangelico. I like the little monk in his in his uh, bottle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's tasty. It's like a milkshake. It's dessert and a milkshake all in one, and a little little kick. So it's yep. good. Yep. That's what cool. I did. What about you, other girls?
3: I didn't well, have any Frangelico either country mart did not have any nor did they have any chocolate liqueur so i am without both of those things they did have cream to coconut or whatever that was so and i blended mine like a milkshake and i tried to put my um cherry on the very top to make it all cute and pretty and it sunk right to the bottom (laughs) (laughs) not as pretty as as i wanted it to be but it's good we had something else that kind. Of, it kind of reminds me of, but I don't remember what it was.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. And Deidre's. is not at yeah. her house. So she... I am
2: not. I am out traveling, and so uh, we made do with what we could find. And honestly, my my uh, live-in bartender made it for me, so um I'm not exactly sure what <laughs> we didn't have or did have. We didn't. I we used crushed ice because there's not a blender here where we're staying. Um, but it, it's, it's, I, I anticipated it being a lot, a lot stronger than it is. And, um, it's, it's not bad. It's really good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot sweeter. I thought it would be sweeter. Mm-hmm. So one time at Burning Man, I hung out with a bunch of Canadians and one of the things they drank, I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent.
0: <laughs> they drink this is the time to do it <laughs> I,
1: well because you know people w- couldn't find frangelico they take crushed ice and they put frangelico over it and then they squeeze like
2: three limes on top mm, my favorite drink oh yep. my gosh oh you're good. kidding no it's my no. drink that all the time
0: it's amazing. Oh, that sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. I might have to try that.
2: So, if we ever yeah. have a
1: Canadian ghost or somebody that came to the Ozarks, maybe we'll make <laughs> that. We'll call it the Canadian. That, <laughs> that's,
0: a, that's quite a segue from Canada to the Ozarks. Come on.
1: Yeah,
2: right. Yeah.
1: Anyway, there you go. That's it called the Bushwhacker Milkshake.
0: The Bushwhacker. I like it. I mm-hmm. like it. Okay, so that's going to lead us to, uh, Deidre, are you going to tell it? Is is your story about a bushwhacker? I think it is. uh... Yes, it is. Go Um,
2: figure.
0: So, uh, take the big one, Deidre, you're on.
2: Okay, well, my big one happens to be about Alf Bolin, and we uh, touched base on his treasure a few episodes back. Um but I, I, there's actually quite a bit of research out there on Alf. Um, a lot of it is done by local Ozarkians, um, you know, here in in Taney County even. So I found, um, um, actually Dina lent me a book that belongs to somebody else. (laughs) And there was a, a story in there about him. Um, and then I came across, um, some information, uh, written by Viola Hartman, who is, a local. And then, uh, of course, Doug Mankey. Um, I've got some information on his buried treasure uh, from Doug Mankey. And then, excuse me, this um, particular story, I'm going to probably, Viola's was a great story. Um, and I loved her, um, the pacing and the the way she put words and, and things together. It was very Ozarkian. But I liked the story that Vicki Hooper um, tells a little bit better. So I'm going to give you some information from all of those kind of, you know, tied up in in one story, okay? But um, according to Vicki Hooper, uh, in her article, Who the Heck Was Alf Bolan, Forsyth Remembers an Outlaw. <laughs> um, he was, there was nothing, a, there was absolutely nothing good about Alf Bolan. All right, During the Civil War um, in Taney and Ozark Counties, he was the cruelest man alive. He robbed and he killed without mercy. And anybody that got near him or stood in his way were just unfortunate. Um, old-timers said he was the meanest, ugliest looking man south of the North Pole. Uh, and the only good <laughs> thing about him was his death. So not a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. When his, and he was very young. Um, when his death uh, occurred, people rejoiced by dancing in the streets of Forsyth and Ozarks or Ozark, it was one of the happiest days of their lives, and one that they would never forget. They celebrated with all their hearts, for they no longer had to fear the bushwhacker Alf Bolin. Okay, now, when this story was written, nor have the people of Forsyth forgotten. Uh, in in the great rejoicing of his death, um, the the legend of Alf Bolin atrocities lives on in the hill country around the White River. So. In May of 1982, the people thronged to a little county seat town to celebrate the end of his terror. Rather than an impromptu gathering of tremendous relief of the first time, this Alf Boland day was carefully planned. In addition to the square dancing in the streets, there was country music, groups all day, oh there's not a comma there, there was country music groups all day, (laughs) a chicken and (laughs) dumpling dinner, cakewalks, and at the end of the day, a wedding where Alf Boland spelled death and destruction of normal life, the modern celebration of Alf Boland's death was to emphasize a beginning with a wedding in the streets. Who the he- heck was Alf Boland? These words were printed on buttons and signs around the square. For people who did not know the legend and history of Alf Boland, there were people and literature ready to explain. Doug Mankey had collected most of the stories about him. So um, there Referencing, I can't remember if it goes on to talk about um, the Forsyth event, but yes, I was privileged and honored not really to carry the coffin of Alf Bolin in 1982. And I have um,
1: pictures, I have pictures, I know. Can we put those on the website, please? Yes. Oh, God. I with
2: have a, pictures with a blackout <laughs> blur around my face would be great, please.
1: We'll put a we'll put a like text over the top that says this is not deirdre <laughs>
2: <laughs> Big arrow. Like it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. So, Alf Bolin was born near Spokane, Missouri, in Christian County, and no one would ever have guessed he would one day be the most notorious bushwhacker of all times. Not much is known about him, but he seemed to be an average boy trying to make the best of what he had initially. Okay. It was believed that he and his sister were orphans uh, later and lived at Old Man Blue's place. Um, The blues saw that he got plenty of food and um, brought him up as they did their own. Although in Viola Hartman's story, she says the guy's name was Calvin Cloud. Um, The father uh, was bushwhacked evidently in front of him and the mother was a slattern. Is that the right word? Um, which means she was dirty and unkempt. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she uh, she ran off with a traveling salesman and left uh, Alf and his sister in the back of no. Well, it depends on where you see it. One uh, one story says they he, they were left in the back of a wagon. Another story says they were left in a cabin to fend for themselves. So oh. sadness there. But then the yeah. blues end up take or the blues or Calvin Cloud, depending on on which story you go by, uh, took. Alfin okay he was a good student in school and tales have said that it was this he was the spelling champion um he was a good woodsman and skillful hunter and all this pointed to a normal life but being from the border regions of a border state he was soon to be one of the many victims of the civil war during the early period of the conflict uh, a union shoulder soldier (laughs) not shoulder maybe (laughs) a union soldier shot from ambush at alf this incident just may have started his wild career of vengeance and murder for his victims were often relatives of union soldiers oh i sort of said it okay that time all searched for other men like himself who could be uh sorry alf searched for other men like himself who could be some use for his revenge he became a leader of a gang of about 20 men and it never got more than 20 in the history that i found it um i mean they kind of came and went Sometimes at Alf's hand. And um, anyway, he just never wanted more than 20 men. And again, he was very young, and I'll um, get to that here in a second. Um, So uh, these men uh, went on raids against inhabitants from northern Arkansas, throughout Taney County, and into southern Ozark County. Unfortunately, uh, the Civil War in Missouri called more misery than in most states because about half of the Missourians were Union sympathizers and half had Southern inclinations. Well, this led to many problems and men had to pick up which side they would support, causing brothers to fight against each other. So more or less, it was uh, neighbor against neighbor in in a a time that breeds outlaws. Um, uh, Whichever army came through would conscript any men they could find the women and children and old men were left to live as they could to raise the food for themselves and what stock uh, the marauding armies marauding armies of outlaws uh, spared them so uh, with law enforcement systems broken down and alternate periods of union or confederate army occupation uh, men like alf bolin and his gang had free sway the inhabitants lived in constant terror hiding any older boys or men, as well as any livestock from the armies and outlaws. Alf Boland took advantage of these hard times and he and his gang robbed, raped and killed without mercy. And uh, there was no one to stop him. One of the victims of Alf's raids was Dave Titsworth, a 16 year old boy from Walnut Shade. Dave was taking a few letters to the post office, which his family had written to his sick father in the Union army when Alf deliberately brought his pistol from his holster with his dirty hand, aimed it at Dave, and shot him in the chest. Some old women who had seen the shooting asked Alf if he was not ashamed, and he replied, get in the house and shut your mouths if you want to save your scalps. That makes 19 I've killed. Hmm. Though he was seriously wounded, Dave did not die. Betsy May and Susan Keithley cared and nursed him until he was well. So there's a little good, you know, happy ending right there. Alf went back to Dad Blue's place, and again, in Viola Hartman's story, he went back to Calvin Cloud's place and threatened to kill his former benefactor, although Blue had probably been the closest thing to a father he had ever known. Now, Mrs. Blue got the best thing she could find for Al, a huge batch of maple sugar, and she watched him gulp it down while he counted his bag of money. Now, I don't know if maple sugar, if they mean syrup, um, or if it was actually, like, Granulated sugar, but either way, ew. Ew. <laughs> I mean, you ew. The whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Ew. <laughs> so when he left, he took Dad Blue's best saddle horse. There were a few of the lucky ones. Most of the people Alf ran into didn't live long. Um, so in Viola's story, he actually shot Calvin Cloud because he wanted his rifle and um, I guess his horse too. That was part of it as well. So, um, There's some discrepancies there, but um, on Camp Creek, he murdered James Johnson, the uncle of Wood Johnson, the presiding judge of Christian County. He killed Bob Edwards near Bluff in Taney County. And then um, Murder Rocks, uh, a place where many travelers were killed. um, He kind of made his, his kind of like their hangout, I guess. He shot uh, two Union soldiers in the back. Uh, They were home on leave and returning to their duties with the army so now murder rock as most of us probably already know uh, is now home to a fancy schmancy golf course owned by bass pro shops magnate johnny morris um it's called buffalo run i believe now um but originally uh, the previous um developer had called it murder rock and uh, i always thought that was interesting because the rocks are up there on the property i've never seen them don and dina have you ever seen them no yeah Mur- you're you're saying murder rocks
0: murder rocks okay yes, and ma'am. that's where these okay that's where he would shoot yeah. people and kill mm-hmm. people
2: yeah. yeah it was real close to the old uh springfield um what they call it springfield forsyth road um i think the signs back there on jay still have still call it that but it's a it's a county road now it used to be the the main traveling road between um arkansas and springfield So So
1: that's another thing to put on our things to do this summer, if we all get the vaccine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Our Ozark
1: red trip. Yeah. Could you get to it via the airport, Deidre, or no? You know, that's a good question.
2: Um, It would have, it would almost have to be partially on the airport property, right? that's what i, I always you can thought get to it
3: through jj or i don't know that i yeah. feel like you can get to it down through jj, JJ. Yeah.
2: i know that when they were um, excavating they did come across a cave that had um indian bur- burial um things in it and they basically sealed it up and left it alone so hmm. that's interesting okay well, if anybody so, um, out
1: there in listener land knows how you get to murder rock post that somewhere
0: Ooh, they also called them
2: Alf Bolin rocks or Bolin rocks too but murder rocks was the how it was known most of the time so yeah okay wow. so here's a <laughs> here's a sad story about um mr bud um he was an 80 year old man who drove a yoke of oxen into taney county from christian county to get a small amount of corn from someone living along white river so not much corn was raised during this time and any was precious He needed the sparse amount of corn to make meal for the bread for the needy women and children in his neighborhood. On his way back across the river, Alf and his band stopped him. They forced him to wade into the water and stand there as they shot several rifle bullets into his body. When the last shot finally killed him, the flow of water carried his body down the stream. Through this time, the Union army had tried unsuccessfully to track him down, Alf and his men, um, all experienced woodsmen, were hard riders and knew all the trails, mountain passes, caves, and fords on the White River. In spite of this, the army decided to try to capture the shrewd woodsman in South Missouri in his own hills. So um, this story is pretty similar to what is in Viola's story in her book. Um, To help them with their plan, the army got a smart lady. Her name was Mrs. Foster. She was the wife of a Southern officer who was being held prisoner in Springfield, Missouri, and was in danger of execution. Though her husband wore gray, Mrs. Foster was a union sympathizer, and she lived near the Arkansas line where Alf and his gang camped at the time. Alf had gone to her house many times for his meals while her husband was gone. Oh, well, mm. her husband was gone. Mm. <laughs> oh. So, in exchange for the freedom of her husband, she decided to help. Because of his coolness and bravery... The Union officers also got the help of Zach Thomas, a native of Missouri who had enlisted in the Union Army in Iowa. Thomas made his way unarmed and slowly to Mrs. Foster's house, disguised as a very sick and weak Southern soldier who had been captured but had escaped and was trying to make his way back home. So he did that just in case Alf was watching him. He stayed upstairs at Mrs. Foster's house for many days pretending to be sick. And on February 2nd 1863, Boland came to dinner. So Thomas made a small noise while Boland heard him and ordered him to come down, threatening to kill him. Mrs. Foster explained uh, that the man was sick and was on his way home. The sly Mrs. Foster set the dinner table close to the fireplace because of the chill, with the sick Thomas nearest it. By the fireplace, she had placed a coulter, which is a long, sharp steel blade used on a plow. Seeing it Bolin immediately became suspicious but Mrs. Foster um, basically calmed his fears by explaining that it was to be made into horseshoes and that she had used it as a poker. Well Bolin laid his pistol on the table and was evidently okay with that explanation. After a big meal of ham potatoes and green beans Bolin leaned over the open fire to rake a live coal into his pipe. Thomas seized the colter and struck him in the back. They drug him into a back room thinking he was dead, but then they heard him moan and struggle. And so grossly, Thomas went back and stabbed him many times until he was sure he was dead. They could not use a pistol because the ready to kill band um, was always near and might hear them. So that's uh, the initial story of of his death. Now, Thomas sneaked out in the darkness and went to a union camp to send officers for Boland's body and Mrs. Foster. Now in Viola's account, she said that mrs foster also had two children and alf asked where the children were um and she had told him that they had gone to stay with her sister okay so that was something that kind of raised his um suspicion somewhat as well uh, yeah. so the soldiers stopped at every house along the way to Forsyth, telling everyone that the killer alf Bowen was finally dead and there was great relief bells rang and a, uh bells rang period To claim the reward, someone had to take his body to the United States Army uh, post in Ozark, and that was about 35 miles north. But by the time the body reached Forsyth, the odor was unbearable, and the soldiers decided to carry just the head for the rest of the way for proof that he was dead. (laughs) I know. I know. So Colbert Hayes enjoyed removing the head from the rest of the stenchy body with his sharp, two-headed axe. In Ozark, um, willing hands placed the head on a pole in the public square for people to see, children to throw rocks at and women to spit on. The rest of the body was buried um, on Swan Creek Road. Although again, in her Viola story, um, they didn't know what they were gonna do with the body because it was considered too, um, it was too awful to actually bury in Taney County soil. They'd, controversial. They'd thought, it was yeah. controversial, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So, people danced all around the pole. Gross. And in Forsyth and other settlements, in, in a rejoicement of his death, they no longer had to fear him. Um, and those whose husbands were away at war no longer feared to sleep at night. Old men could walk along the trails once again and without jumping at every noise um, or fearing an ambush. Even though the war was not over yet, the families uh, in the sparsely settled hills. And areas along the Arkansas border of Missouri could resume normal activities without the continual dread of the Boland gang. So the event continued long into the night, a rejoicing of great relief from years of constant fear and with the hopes that the war soon would be over. Some 119 years later, on May 15, 1982, the celebration of Alf Boland's death was resumed in Forsyth. Now, in the peaceful, pretty little town on the banks of the dammed up White River, which is now Bullshull's Lake, the citizens, remembering the time of terror, celebrated its end once again, although how they remembered the time of terror, I'm not exactly sure. This time, it was all (laughs) pleasant and enjoyable. In the midst of the fun of dressing and costume, the music, the food, and many activities, this celebration as... um, as did the first celebration had a serious purpose and pulling everything together was the wedding of Holly Renee's son and Johnny Lee Chambers in a beautiful ceremony on the streets of Forsyth. And I don't remember that. I just remember the, the, you know, parade and carrying the coffin down the street. Oh,
1: I know Johnny Lee Chambers that name sounds really familiar to me. Mm-hmm.
2: There's pictures of it on this, uh, on the website where I got this story. Um, and pictures of some of the Forsyth stuff happening but sadly no pictures of the infamous uh, you know group of people carrying the uh, coffin i have
3: one i have one in this book called the ozark photo album and i will make sure
2: that it gets on the x yeah (laughs) Yeah. that's very helpful dina thank you when's your birthday Uh, hmm. anyway (laughs) where uh alf bolin represented hate and death this couple promised love and life unto you both said reverend maxine price the minister i would say let not your voices lose the tender tone of affection nor your eyes forget the tender ray with which they shone in courtship day and greatest of all let god be in the throne above all else at all times the only good thing about alf bolin was his death now that's the end of that story, but I wanted to also kind of give you just a little bit of information about his treasure. This is, you know, kind of a wrap up here. So, um, his bones, they said, were left to bleach on the banks of, of Rock Creek. Um, because, oh, here, because the matter of his body was considered too profane to bury in Taney County soil, and finally, the headless torso. These are stories that, you know, and this also kind of ties into our, our paints section here but the <laughs> torso of his ghost riding horseback was searching for treasure, his head, and his grave because evidently his head didn't know where his body was. Mm. So, yes, he <laughs> oh. started, actually started his gang at 15 and his infamy lasted less than three years with his death in 1863 at the age of 18. So he was very, very young.
0: Wow. And like the
2: picture that's in um, the book that you let me borrow, Dina. It's a, like a pen and ink drawing and it, it's a much older man. Um, so I don't know, it doesn't say where that image came from unless maybe at, at 18, he just looked like Clint Eastwood. I'm not sure. Or no, it wasn't Clint Eastwood. Who was one of the uh, other dark haired? I don't know, dad would have known. So anyway, um, he usually gave his victims three choices. One to join the Confederate army, one to join his gang or be shot those were if he gave him a choice those were his choices and then um his trademark was the headgear he wore over long unkempt hair it was a coonskin cap fashioned so the tail hung down his back and the eyes and nose of the animal which had been left on the pelt formed a bill over his own features so
0: um
2: yeah he was you know he was kind of a scary dude So just to, again, kind of wrap up, um, um, Mankie also uh, reported on Alpsbury Treasure, and there was a short little story here about a a stranger who came to stay at a farm home on Highway JJ south of Kirbyville. He asked if he could board for a few days, and it was agreed. He was very quiet gave no reason for wanting to live with the family. The farmer and his wife surmised that the old fellow might be looking for land or uh, prospecting for lead or zinc in the hills, But he left the house each morning, getting a lunch from the wife, and he had no gun or or tools with him. So he returned for several summers, stayed with the family, always going on a secretive hike. Uh, At one point, he finally told the family he was getting too old, and um, he gave them a well-worn map from his pocket. He said he had been searching for Alf's buried treasure, and rumor had it that it was hidden somewhere in Fox Creek Hills, near a cave he used as a landmark. Well, come to find out, the cave the stranger was looking for was actually somewhat further east than where he had searched. So the secret of Alf Boland's treasure died with him. There is no doubt that the outlaw had amassed a considerable fortune in gold and silver and other valuables. Boland trusted no one. He didn't use a bank to deposit his loot for safekeeping because there was a price on his head. And so he buried his ill-gotten gold, silver, jewelry, watches, and other valuables near the cave on fox creek near the missouri and arkansas border and that's where it remains after nearly 100 years so that is my wrap up and i know it was kind of long but um, wow you, no. you couldn't really tell a story without and i you know viola's story was very similar there was some more controversy about um who actually um captured him who the soldier was and that kind of thing but um he's a bad dude. He yeah. was a bad dude. Gosh, I yeah. didn't know
0: anything about Alf Bolin. I, I didn't. Um, of course, I was farther south down in Arkansas and didn't um, didn't know this legend or story at all. Yeah. So, thank you, Deidre. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a. He sounds like a really gruesome, ugly
2: dude for oh, being always. such
1: a kind of okay kid.
2: Mhm. Well, yeah. Interesting. I know, and you know, again, those two stories. One said that. He just stole um, Old Man Blue's horse. But uh, the other story says that he shot his, his, what he, who he knew as his dad, basically, oh, yeah. you know, because he wanted his gun. And kind of the same thing. He just walked onto the, the farm and, you know, I don't, I don't know if the, the, his, if Calvin was outside or in the house or cabin or what, but, um, you know, he just shot him. And when the mother asked why, he said, well, I wanted his, his rifle. Hmm. Wow. Terrible.
0: Okay. Alf Boland. Thanks, Deidre. Yeah, oh, that was good. That was a good. No. Big one. Whew. Much to think about. Um. All right. So the little one is from sister Dina. So Dina, you want to segue <laughs> you take your own segue. How about that?
3: <laughs> I, I sure will. So I thought it'd be fun to stick with the bushwhacking theme Um, So I turned to Google because it's my best friend, and I found a really good one. Um, If you Google Bushwhackers, Ozark Mountains, Missouri, the first thing that popped up was the name Bill Wilson. But Mm. if you go down the page a little bit, there's a picture of Clint Eastwood and the (laughs) movie about uh, Josie Wales.
0: Oh, yeah. Wow.
3: Bill Wilson is the man that the movie is based upon? Hmm. So, yeah, so I thought that was very cool. So, here's yeah. a little bit of his story. Um, Bill Wilson was born in 1830 in Phelps County, and that's the raw area, and that's you know where you stop to get gas and use the bathroom on the way to St. Louis. That's where you that's Rala. He came from a, <laughs> or that's where we stop anyway. He came from a farming family there's uh not a lot of information about his early life but uh as he gets older there's quite a bit as the young man he struck quite the picture with piercing blue eyes and a head full of curly black hair i found a picture of him and he is very nice looking i mean <laughs> i think i took him on a dinner and said he's hot like
0: yeah that's
3: hot
0: <laughs> he's yeah, really, really pretty, pretty eyes yeah he's oh yeah funny.
2: So So eyes um,
3: of the gypsy, of course. Yeah, (laughs) he was. I mean, real pretty for that time, I think. Anyway, um, so I'll 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 include that picture in the extras. It was said that he was um, very fun-loving and a skilled violin player. He was always on demand for weddings and parties. He used those nimble fingers for his quick draw skills, also never being without his two forty-four caliber six shooters. Though a standing sure shot, he could also hit his target from the back of a horse. So it's important to note that Bill's family tried to stay neutral in the war. His father was a slave owner, but he freed his slaves shortly before the war began. In 1861, Bill was accused of stealing horses from a Union encampment in the area. Bill claimed innocence. But one evening, Union soldiers, knowing that he was away from his home, raided the property. They ejected his family stole from his home set the house barn and outbuildings on fire oh, bill was mm-hmm. no longer neutral <laughs> i mean the only other thing they could have done was killed his family like that was okay. the only thing they didn't do to him so just like any good superhero or villain this was bill watson's uh or i'm sorry bill wilson's origin story he moved his family to a one-room cabin on his mother's land and became the bushwhacker.
2: The bushwhacker. the bushwhacker.
3: <laughs> he was called the Great Bushwhacker, like he was the. So, in Deirdre's story, I noticed that that came with some negative, um, what connotations? Connotations. It was negative. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. In um, Bill's on Bill's side though, I mean, he was like the Robin Hood of the Ozarks, like, they people loved him, and he didn't attack like pioneers or his neighbors, he was after the Union soldiers that you know went after. It's his
0: like family. a vi- vigilante justice, right? Mm-hmm. Vigilante, yeah.
3: yeah, yeah. He was like I said, he was well liked even when he was uh, the, turned into the bushwhacker, he was he was still well liked. Um, it was said that he claimed to never be alone. He always had his three best friends with him, his two six shooters and his horse. Bill was dangerous with <laughs> those guns. And whether alone or whackers, the body started to pile up. The following accounts that I'm going to tell you are from an article called um, Josie Wills, a.k.a. Bushwhacker Bill Wilson by Ronnie. I'm going to go with ATNIP, and it's from an article in the North Texas News from August 9th, 2011. And there's several stories. Um, they all kind of told the same one, but I just picked this gentleman's because he, he did a good job. So here we go. Bushwhacker Bill found out from a neighbor, Mary A. Arthur, that four Union soldiers had been by her place looking for him. He knew that they had to come back the same route to get to their headquarters at Rolla, Missouri. He hid and watched the trail. When they approached, he stepped onto the road, stopped them, drew both revolvers and killed all four of them. This surprise, this surprise was their shock and his edge. After Mrs. Arthur identified the stored soldiers, Bill removed them from her property and led away four government horses. On another occasion, Bill rode his horse from a main trail to the Little Piney River and back several times. He then rode upstream, crossed the river, came back down, and rode back and forth to the river across from his original tracks. This made it look like a crossing. There was quicksand between the two trails. Oh. He got several soldiers after him on the road. Took the trail and then left it, tricking the soldiers into riding into the quicksand. Oh. Many soldiers and horses were that day. Which I was like, oh, horses. Oh. I don't care about the people. I know horses. Give <laughs> yeah, me a
2: sad story oh, about a horse awful. or a dog, man. I'm yeah.
3: yeah dog. No, not the animals. At a Union soldiers' reunion several years after the war, a favorite story was that of three soldiers trying to trap Bill. Due to his love for turkey hunting, they slipped as close to the bushwhacker's camp as they dared and started making turkey sounds. Bill caught on and slipped uphill in order to change locations, and he started calling, thinking it was a turkey answering them. The soldiers were drawn in. Soon all the soldiers dreaded going after Mr. Wilson. Bushwhacker Jim Dean and his father were killed by soldiers. Hearing of this, Bill immediately set up in a rock shed next to the road close to the Dean home. He shaved his long beard to change his appearance. When the soldiers arrived, they asked him if he had seen Bill Wilson. The bushwhacker said, you're looking at him.
2: Uh, You're looking at him.
3: (laughs) You're looking at him. All five pulled their revolvers and Bill killed the other four Miss Dean identified them and Bill removed them from her property leading the way for government horses. Many soldiers and bounty hunters would come looking for Bill. It's said that Wild Bill Hickok was one, but none could catch him. So if you're wondering what he did with all those Union soldiers, because I was like, well, what's this in? I mean, besides just getting revenge, what's he getting out of this? So he took the he was su- supplying the Quantrill Raiders. Um, And the Quantrill Raiders, which included Frank and Jesse James, by the by, were Confederate guerrillas led by William Quantrill, and I believe they were out of Kansas initially. So this was a rabbit hole, actually, and I had to, I had to make myself stop reading about it, but it was very, very interesting. (laughs) Uh, so anyway, after the war, there was a bounty on most of the bushwhackers' heads. Bill Wilson and several other bushwhackers, plus over a hundred of the Quantrill Raiders, relocated to Texas. He did visit Missouri several times, but moved his home to Texas. So I'm going to go back to uh, Mr. Atnip here to still tell the story of his death. Bill Wilson... Oh, I'm going to rewind. I'm at the bottom of my drink and my tongue. No,
0: (laughs) sit break. Sit break.
3: Oh yeah. All right. Bill Wilson was probably living around Sherman, Texas after the war. He sold a wagon load of apples in McKinney, Texas, and was paid in greenbacks. The transaction was observed by John Thompson and William O. Blackmore, both ex-Missouri partisan rangers. Bill headed north a short distance and spent the night at the home of J.B. Wilmoth. The next morning, he continued north through Van Alstine. That's a question because I'm not sure if that's how you say it. Thompson and Blackmore overtook him one mile north of Van Alstine, where now Highway 5 crosses a branch of Prong Creek. There they shot him several times, robbed him, and buried him in a shallow grave. After these men were caught, they confessed and were tried and convicted. Both were hanged at 1 p.m. on March 26, 1869, in Sherman, Texas. So ends the great bushwhacker Bill Wilson. Maybe no five pistoliers alive that could kill him, but two ex-comrades in arms did get the drop on him. Hmm. So there's his life story. Yeah. Hmm. Um, But I wanted to give you a little bit. So there was a gentleman that wrote a book about Bill Wilson's life, which was... Then turned into the movie so here's a little background on that book um Forrest Carter and it's not great at first you're like oh that's awful Forrest Carter was born Asa Earl Carter and he was a Ku Klux Klan leader in 1958 he quit the Klan group he had founded because he shot two members over finances he's a good guy <laughs> then it just gets worse then He became a speechwriter for George Wallace. He wrote Wallace's (laughs) pro-segregation line, segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. Yes, that was the man.
0: So later,
3: yeah, he ran unsuccessfully for lieutenant governor of Alabama on a segregationist ticket, but finished fifth of five candidates. Yeah. Not good. <laughs> So after dissolution of his political dreams, um, Mr. Carter receded into the background, changed his name. And moved to Texas and then started um, writing under an alias posed as the Cherokee writer Forrest Carter. In 1972, he wrote The Rebel Outlaw, Josie Wales, and he sent the book to Clint Eastwood's office as an unsolicited submission. Eastwood's partner read it and suggested buying the rights. So and the same book was later released by the publisher in a new name is called Gone to Texas. And that's the credit that you get from the movie. Oh. But i will say neither clint eastwood or his partner knew the the author's real identity or the awful awful history of the man and they wouldn't for some years
0: wow you know and, i've never seen that movie i've never oh, seen that movie. what yeah that's
3: oh. terrible okay oh, my dad would be so mad at you he <laughs> would
2: yes he would very disappointed yes no uh,
3: I never saw it Yeah. So I'm going to wrap up. um, I'll I'll wrap up this way. And it's another excerpt from Mr. Atniff's article, which I will give him. I'll put in the extras. There's another article, too, um, from something about the frontier. I can't remember now, but I'll put those both in the extras file. Mm -hmm. Um, So here here we go while the movie josie wales had minor historical inaccuracies it had many parallels to the life of the bushwhacker bill wilson the one big surprise came towards the end of the movie when jim crow told the two police officers who were on the great outlaw roundup that josie's name was mr wilson because it was about bill wilson
0: i love him (laughs)
3: and that is a little bit of the story of Bill Wilson, the great bushwhacker.
0: Oh,
2: yeah. hey, well, yeah. huzzah, huzzah! Well, yeah. Applause all around! Do, Yay. Do do yeah. yeah, Both for, good. for the stories, not for the guys. But
0: no, no, yeah. no, for yeah. the for the yeah. presentation of our thank stories you. tonight. Yeah, thank you very no,
2: well. thanks. I just
3: thought yeah. it was very interesting. I had no idea. Like, if I wouldn't have googled that, I would have had no idea that he was from here or that. It wasn't just a fictional movie, you know. Yeah, kind of. I, yeah I didn't know. I
0: had no clue either. Mm-mm. I had no, no idea. Now that I know that it's based on somebody real, I will look at it. Gosh, gotcha, yeah. I'm sure it's on Prime someplace. I can get it on some oh, somewhere some screen sure. somewhere. Yeah. At the library.
2: Cause it's yeah, that's. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah, sure. Yeah, I got my account at the library. Very good. Very good well all right thanks everybody for joining us uh, for our installation of ozarks haints and hooch tonight um be sure to uh leave us all the stars you can uh whenever possible and uh we just want to say goodbye for tonight girls do okay. have anything else to say before we say our, our final? I'm going to finish my drink. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, yeah. You've been talking so much. Now, Now you can finish your drink. Yes, I can. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Goodbye. And remember. If you liked it. Tell all your friends. And if you didn't. Keep your, keep your big
3: mouth shut. shut.